What's up, my people? It's Friday, May 31st, 2019. And welcome to this week's edition of the FritzCast. If you're new here, if this is something new for you, this is a libertarian-leaning program hosted by me. And I'm 30 years old. I just turned 30 uh, last week, in fact. For those of you wondering how the birthday went, it was, uh, it was awesome. Good time. I started this program back in 2015. It was actually, I guess you could technically more say it was 2016 and not 2015. uh, Because I got the microphone as a Christmas gift in 2015 from my wife. uh, As a very surprising Christmas present, in fact. And, uh, you know, started doing the podcast and I've done one episode a week since then so I've done uh, a huge boatload of episodes and uh, when I started it was in 2015 I was really breaking into this whole libertarianism thing uh, for the first time really Uh, up until that point I had really been all across these dis- different spectrums. Uh, I don't want to get, I don't want to get it too involved. I don't want to like go through the evolution process again. I've talked about the evolution process many times, and I don't want to, I don't want to hook up everybody on the boring details of it. So, if you want like the quick, short, short version, um, in middle school, uh, George W. Bush Republican. In in high school. George W. Bush Republican turned uh, Barack Obama voter, voted for Barack Obama in his first term, uh, because the the hopey changey hope seemed like uh, like it'd be a good eye, good good direction for the nation. That was a terrible Obama. Never mind that point. Uh, I voted for Obama more so because I couldn't bring myself to vote for John McCain. That that was more so. It was more the fact that McCain and Palin was just, you know, oh my god. And mind you, at this time, I, that was my first election to vote in. Uh, didn't really know about the third party options that uh, were on the table. Didn't really wasn't that uh, diverse in my politics to think about things outside of a duopoly spectrum. Uh, mind you, at the time, still, I thought it was stupid. Um, still thought that Republicans were dead wrong on some more social issues, uh, like, like, the whole gay marriage thing. Baffled my mind. Like, why does anybody care? 
I thought Republicans were supposed to be for limited government. Why are they so interested in passing laws that, quote, protect the sanctity of marriage? You know, those things. Especially when the sanctity of marriage, in air quotes, uh, is barely respected by the people who engage in it. Uh, you, you don't have a 50% divorce rate amongst married individuals. At that time, those statistics were pretty much only heterosexual couples, by the way. Uh, you don't have a 50% divorce rate with people who respect the sanctity of marriage. It's because people dive into marriage. They just dive in and do it. They don't realize the commitments they're making, the life changes, the evolution that you'll have to go through and all that jazz. So long story short, when people were saying, you know, oh, we got to protect the sanctity of marriage, I was like, you're not really, you're not really protecting the sanctity of marriage, are you? You're just homophobic, kind of. Like, why do you care what's going on behind the bedroom door of consenting adults and how they live their life, you know? And I thought a series of stupid arguments came from it, too. Like, people were talking about, well, what about, what about you want gay couples raising children? Like, why not? If there, I've seen plenty, I've seen plenty, plenty of horrible regular heterosexual couple parents, single parents alike. Uh, we see that spectrum all over the place. That depends on the type of person that they are. Their character, not their sexual preferences. Just ridiculous. So that that's kind of what spurred it a little bit. Some of the other things, you know, like fiscal responsibility and other things spurred it too. Uh, but in 2012 election, uh, I had, by the 2012 election, my, mind you, 2008 election, voted for Obama. 2012 election was more so, like I had heard the name Gary Johnson. I had heard more about libertarianism. And was researching it, but I, you know, I fell in line. Fell in line with, uh, you know, Mitt Romney, you know. Binders full of women, Mitt Romney. And, of course, that election, it was, by the 2012 election, I noticed a pattern in elections as well. <laughs> I noticed a, a little caveat in in American political elections and all that, and that was the the duopoly divide, you know. Everybody's talking about, oh, Barack Obama sweepingly won his second term. Uh, have you looked at the numbers? <laughs> and I mean, I'm serious by the, about this. Uh, the, the popular vote in the 2012 election was uh, Barack Obama at, at 65,915,795 votes. And Mitt Romney had get this 60,000 or 60 million 933,504 okay that means that Barack Obama only won by 5 million votes when people want to say no that's 5 million votes he won by 5 million votes that's a big margin it's not a big margin not a big margin at all in terms of the fact that it was only 65 million to 60 million See, when you put it in perspective of the numbers, becomes minuscule. 
that's not even factoring in the fact that there was a whole big segment of the populace that said, eh, we're not even going to vote. Mind you, that doesn't even include the... <laughs> Here I am talking about libertarianism, and I'm not even giving you the libertarian numbers on that. Mind you, Wikipedia doesn't either, but... Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Gary Johnson. Look at that. Gary Johnson, libertarian. He had a million votes. A million, two hundred, and seventy-five thousand, nine hundred, and seventy-one votes. Jill Steen almost cracked half a mil. Constitution Party uh, got a hundred thousand. Uh, the the Peace and Freedom Party, Peace and Freedom Party, which had Roseanne Barr. <laughs> Jesus, sixty-seven thousand people, and then um, you know, there was a couple other parties uh, that factored in to voting, but as you see. 65 million to 60 million. Not a big margin of difference when you're going by the grander number scheme. To me, that means that, uh, you know, we're pretty, pretty well divided, politically speaking, and it's hard to really gauge how divided that is because that is on very, uh, that's on very broad terms. Very broad terms from, uh, you know, Republican and conservative ideology to Democrat and liberal progressive ideology. Very very broad spectrums, and you can see there there there's a a, a divide. It's a near fifty fifty divide, and that's one when that's why when people start talking about the word democracy, uh, I cringe at the word democracy. I think I've talked about this a lot. I cringe at the word democracy. And I'm getting ready to do uh, a pretty grandoise episode on voting, uh, democracy, uh, what kind of system of governance we actually have, some of the tenets that we believe in. But when people talk about democracy and the majority rules... 65 million to 60 million becomes even even greater a minuscule number. And this is all what helped contribute and blend into what made me a libertarian voter. Even though I might not be a full-blooded, money-donating LP member per se uh, because as such I, I think as such with the true libertarian ideology uh, the party our whole argument is against political parties because it becomes a game uh, libertarians can become a game too uh, libertarianism uh, the infighting between libertarians is the worst infighting ever seen in any political party probably in history and I'm saying that 100% sincerely we throw poo on each other more than we throw poo on the other two parties that's what, that's what it means you don't know what it is 
to be a true libertarian until other libertarians are telling you that you're not a true libertarian or you're not libertarian enough. That's where this thing becomes very confusing territory. Now, some of you, some of my loyal listeners might be going, what, what are you getting at, dude? Like, y- y- you've talked about these things before. This isn't new territory. And you're right. It's not, it's not new territory, per se, but what it's building into what we're about to talk about. Last week's episode was all about Justin Amash. And uh, what did I title that episode? I titled that episode, uh, Dissent is Not Allowed. Uh, because in in Donald Trump's America, dissent is not allowed on either side of the spectrum. Uh, if you're a Republican in government right now, you pretty much have to fall in line with Donald Trump and the red hat. You have to fall in line with the Make America Great Again crowd. Donald Trump just yesterday... Uh, announced a 5% tariff increase on all goods coming from Mexico. Okay? Tariffs are just a tax that's passed on to the American consumer. All right? And taxation, by definition, under the libertarian banner, is theft, which would mean that tariffs is a form of theft. Now, let me just expand on that, though. If you're a limited government principled, conservative voter. There is hardly a reason that you would support Donald Trump and his tariff increase on Mexico. Why? Because you know putting tariffs on Mexico, as Trump says, to control the immigration issue. Sure, there's an immigration issue. Yeah, there's an immigration issue. I'm not gonna, I'm not one of those people that's going to lie and say that there's not an issue and an, with an influx of illegal immigration. However, I'm one of those types that says billions upon billions of dollars to erect a wall on the southern border is kind of idiotic. Um, along the entire border, yes. Sections of the border, maybe. Um, there is some ideology to flow into the argument about free movement of people. Uh, that notwithstanding, there, there being a problem with immigration, uh, it's not like Mexico mandated that all their people up and come to America. Uh, they've been doing that for years upon years upon years because of the opportunities that come from living in America. Now, as the government helped as the government uh, thrown a bone and built a system in which those people are maybe not rewarded but they're also not discouraged from doing things illegally as we've written the laws sanctuary cities and other things like that yeah those that's been a problem of the federal plank of the government sure But if you think a wall just magically stops the inflow of people, it doesn't. And if you think tariffs are a good idea because that'll help Mexico crack down on the people leaving, well, a good fair amount of uh, 
things for us come from Mexico. Okay, I'm ripping this right from the office of the United States Trade Representative. Mexico is our third largest goods trading partner with 611.5 billion in total goods trade during 2018. Good exports totaled $265 billion, and good imports totaled $346 billion. All right, now the U.S. goods trade deficit with Mexico uh, was $81.5 billion in 2018, and this is is where people really start showing their lack of awareness or understanding of, of a situation. Some people will say, we have a trade deficit with Mexico, and that's bad. That puts us in the hole. So why wouldn't you want to counterbalance it so that we don't have a trade deficit with Mexico? Um, a trade deficit isn't necessarily a bad thing per se. Um, for example, I have a trade deficit with every store I shop in. Why? Because I take dollars, I take my money, you know, the the little bit I get to keep after the government taxes the crap out of it. You know, that, that. I get to take my meager earnings after the government parses it from what it feels it's owed. I can take my money to any store and buy goods. And when I buy goods, I trade money for whatever good. So when I go to a store... I'm in a trade deficit with them because I gave them money and they gave me product. I didn't give them product. I gave them monetary supplement. They gave me the product. That's a trade deficit. And guess what? I happily maintain my trade deficits with all the stores I shop with. Happily. raise on tariffs of Mexican goods. That's just going to get passed on to us. It's just going to get passed on to you. Because prices will go up. And they're the third largest that we deal with. But if you speak out against that, if you speak out against Trump doing that, it's obviously not Trump that's part of the problem. (laughs) It's you. Why aren't you on board with what Donald Trump wants? He just wants to make America great again. Why don't you? And that's that's the toxic environment in which we now live. It's it's so it's so funny. It's so baffling to me. This is America. This is a place where people should want the government constrained. It was built upon the foundations of having a government restrained. And you have all these limited government conservatives. I say with air quotes... All these limited government conservatives willing to, 
and there's no other way to say this, willing to shit upon every principle that they claim they care about. Every single one in the name of winning and being the ones who on paper are in power. That's why last week's episode was on Justin Amash. Justin Amash is a U.S. representative for Michigan's third congressional district since 2011. He's a Republican. His district is based in Grand Rapids. He is on or was on the House Freedom Caucus. And um, he has almost never been in the spotlight for the Republican Party because he's a conservative libertarian and a libertarian Republican. That is how he regards himself, and he is regarded as one of the House's most conservative members. His voting record backs that up. When it comes to being a principled politician, which is, you know, a nigh-impossible feat, it would seem, in 2019 America, Justin Amash meets all the check marks because he's never really compromised on what he is. The GOP, the House Freedom Caucus, they don't like him because he he pokes the bear with a stick. When he came out and he said that Donald Trump is in doo-doo for what he did, for what was found in the Mueller report, which A.G. William Barr lied about. If you don't want to concede that he lied about it, you have to at least concede that he skewed the truth heavily before the report could even hit the printing press, before people could get their hands on it, and before people could start reading it. Justin Amash read the 400-page report. And I've talked about this, too. I'm willing to bet that many other representatives didn't read that report. Even though that's their job. Even though that's, that's what you, the people, elected your representatives to do. Probably a small handful of them. And I'm going to say it's 25% or less actually read the entirety of the report, discussed it with their team, and drew their own conclusion. There was statements and press releases and and speakers and and, uh, other pundits talking about the Mueller report when it was reported on, but before anybody could even read the report. Within 24 hours, people are already coming up with these comprehensive takes on these things, which is just impossible. 
but Justin Amash will catch all the flack in the world for what he did, for coming out and saying that, because he's not a team player. He's not towing the Republican Party line. He's being a dissenter, and dissent is not allowed. That was last week's episode. Dissent is not allowed. And if you think it's not allowed, only on the Republican side of things, look no further than presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard, who, I'm sorry, for lack of better terms, gets shit on all over by her party. She would have no hope, and she has no hope, in her runs for the presidential election, because the DNC will bury her ass. Despite the fact that she has a pretty damn good foreign policy to build off of. Despite the fact that we as libertarians would look at the rest of what Tulsi Gabbard likes and go, no, 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 we don't like that stuff. Because I don't. There's hardly another stance or, or political position from Tulsi Gabbard that I could like. But the foreign policy and the wars thing is pretty, pretty damn good. Pretty damn good when you don't hear enough of them saying it. But dissent is not allowed. Dissent is not allowed. And and, and I started I, I opened up this episode talking about the evolution thing, about the evolution of my politics. Uh, because just as current events unravel and information becomes more available and you do more research and more studying and and comparison comparison it's not even a word dummy comparing notes with others comparing and contrasting maybe that's what I was trying to comparison comparison when you compare and contrast at the same time I'm sorry, I'm I'm so stupid. I'm such a goofball. I'm sorry. Uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> Man, sometimes you have to just like pause, replay the last 30 seconds to a minute of what you recorded, and then you're caught up. I've, uh, I've slowly been 180-ing on the Mueller report. I did that episode, which I kind of uh, read through William Barr's four-page response. And I thought I wrote a damn good episode about it. And I thought I I thought that my take on it was pretty damn solid because I sat down and I did all the legwork. But guess what? That episode now in my eyes is a failure of an episode because I skimmed so hard and I looked so much at Barr's response and the other reports that Barr was highlighting that I didn't realize that if Barr had skewed it, if Barr had painted it the way he wanted it to look, which is exactly what he did, that uh, there might be some hidden things. There might be some misrepresentations. There might be exaggerations. There might be a whole slew of things. And you have to, I think in this day and age, you have to be open to taking in the information Realizing when you were wrong, saying when you were wrong, and then correcting yourself. And thank God I've never had to say that I was, you know, associated or a member of the Republican Party 
or or that I even voted for Donald Trump at this point. Um, I'm, I, I proudly, all throughout the 2016 election cycle, the 2015-2016 election cycle, you can go back and you can listen to those episodes of the Fritzcast because I covered pretty much everything, I think. I covered the DNC debates as they dwindled down to Bernie and... Uh, Hillary Clinton, and I covered the Republican debates as it started with 17 candidates and whittled its way down to Trump. And, on top of those, I covered the Libertarian one, which went from being about four or five candidates down to the big three, Gary Johnson, Austin Peterson, and John McAfee, to just Gary Johnson. And I never aligned with Trump. You can go back and you can listen to my episodes. So it's, I mean, clearly I'm no fan of his. But I said I was going to judge him item by item, line by line, good by bad. And I have. There's been times where I've said Trump made a good move with this. And there's times where I've said, wow, that was a disaster. How can anybody like this guy? And I'm doing it again now. Trump's character... Again, you can go back and listen to all my other podcast episodes on this. Trump's character is garbage. Garbage and not worthy of a leadership role anywhere, let alone the presidency of the United States. But that's not good enough to ruffle the feathers and talk about impeachment. However, you can't be such a blind devotee that you listen to Justin Amash state his piece, which, by the way, he had an amazing town hall that's about an hour, maybe an hour and a half long. Just Google Justin Amash town hall on YouTube, and you can find a source of it. I highly suggest you sit down and listen to it, because he... Justin Amash isn't afraid to stand in front of all his constituents who have diverse, differing opinions and hear them out and explain himself, which is something else that our politicians just don't do. Not often enough. Justin Amash reads every bill and will tell you why he's voting yay or nay on the principles of the Constitution. How many representatives are actually doing that? Their job. How many? How many? Because it's handfuls. It's handfuls. It's maybe this guy, maybe this, uh, maybe this uh, congresswoman, maybe this senator, maybe. But it's always just maybe this, maybe that. Maybe one person, maybe one person, maybe one person. The body as a whole is garbage. But if Justin Amash stands up and says his piece about why Trump could possibly be impeached for what's in this report, 
based on his actions and and things of that nature. And you're unwilling to listen to him. And then Andrew Napolitano comes out. Andrew Napolitano. Let me play you what he said about the Mueller report. We have Judge Napolitano back with us to give us the legal aspects of this. Now, Judge, before you launch into this, Lizzie, would you again <laughs> read what, to me, and I think you'll agree, this is, to me, the key sentence. Read it. If we had confidence the president did not commit a crime, we would have said so. That is in the Mueller report. And if, we had, if we had confidence the president did not commit a crime, we would have said Boy, so. I, I could that not, opened the door. I could not agree with Lizzie any more than I do. That opens the door for the Democrats to pounce. Effectively, what Bob Mueller said is, we had evidence that he committed a crime, but we couldn't charge him because he's the president of the United States. This is even stronger than the language in his report. This is also a parting shot at his soon-to-be former boss, the Attorney General, because this statement is 180 degrees from the four-page statement that Bill Barr issued uh, at the time he first saw the report. Is it that bad? I think so. I think basically he's saying the president can't be indicted, otherwise we would have indicted him, and we're not going to charge him with a crime because there's no forum in which for him, for him to refute the charges. But we could not say that he didn't commit a crime, fill in the blank, because we believe he did. And now, this is about the obstruction of justice yes. side of I the investigation. I also think that there is fodder for the Democrats on the conspiracy side. He didn't say there was no conspiracy. He just said we were not able to establish it beyond a reasonable doubt. There's some evidence of it, 127 communications between Russian agents and Trump campaign officials from November of uh, from uh, July of 15 to November of 16, but not enough for us to make a criminal case out of it. I, I think this is uh, hurtful to the president, hurtful to Bill Barr, fodder for the Democrats. But I but, also think that the language in here is such that there's something in here for everybody. Right. But Robert Thank Mueller you, also said, he also said, we did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. So that indicates there was, they couldn't prosecute anything because they didn't have the evidence of it, but that it wasn't there. The evidence that they laid I know out, they had uh, yeah. 10 instances or 11 instances. I the understand that. But that's a political decision to impeach, not correct. a prosecutable one. Correct. But the evidence he laid out is remarkably similar to the impeachment charges against Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. Richard Nixon, tell Haldeman and Ehrlichman to lie to the FBI. Uh, President uh, Trump tell Don McGahn to change his testimony that he gave to the FBI. Bill Clinton, tell Betty Curry to lie to the FBI. Donald Trump, tell uh, KT McFarland to put a false document in a file that you know is going to be subpoenaed. These facts that he laid out are so substantially similar to the matured allegations against Bill Clinton and Richard Nixon, it's clear where he was going. He didn't have to stir this hornet's nest this morning. By the way, you and I were wrong when we said he's not going to go on national television and resign, because in fact he did. Yes. He could have simply submitted a letter saying, I resign, I'm going back into private uh, practice. Instead, he took a shot at his boss, who's 10,000 miles away. Uh, and that, yeah, that, that's truly stunning that, uh, that apparently we can't talk about that. I'm sure there's people out there who would, uh, you know, hear that and just 
180 their respect on Andrew Napolitano and, and side specifically with Trump because Trump can't do no wrong. Trump can't do no wrong. And I don't know if it's just like the celebrity that we've injected into politics. Uh, because there's there's this there's this grandoise celebrity celebrity thing about politicians, and I never understood that either. They're politicians. They're they're supposed to be people, but we treat them as superstars. We treat this as Hollywood, almost. I mean, down to how the media portrays these guys and how they act in front of cameras. The, uh, the the dividing lines become sharper. And we, we go into this whirlwind chaos that we're in right now. And that's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty nuts. It's just, it's amazing to me how within a few short weeks I could put out an episode going over Barr's four-page response, and then in that amount of time, you can have Mueller himself come out criticizing Barr, speaking with absolutely no gain in this at all. You can have Justin Amash coming out and more or less sacrificing his political career because he could get gerrymandered out of his district now. Uh, He's always been primaried. Uh, he's always been a dissenter and never a team player, which is a good thing. I'm saying that as a good thing. Those are good qualities of Justin Amash. You can have Andrew Napolitano come out and say that this looks bad for Trump. But, you know, MAGA can do no wrong. MAGA is the new conservative ideology where limited principled or limited government principles can. Go out the window in the name of winning. It's sad. It's a sad state of affairs, is what I'm saying. But that's that's been that's been the big highlight topic this week. That's been the thing this week. And I think that this is I think this is good building blocks for the next couple episodes of Fritzcast. Uh because it's time to wake up, world. It's time to wake up and evolve. And to be open to it. And I'm hoping that I can bring some people along in the journey in the coming weeks for it. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. And if you want to participate in that, I'm reaching out now. I'm giving the invitation now. Hit me up on Twitter, at FritzQS. Facebook.com slash the FritzCast. FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. All right, I've given you everything short of my phone number now. I get too many spam calls to to give out that crap. So that that ain't happening. You ain't getting my digits. You cannot have my number. Move on. But I would love to get multiple voices involved, multiple people involved, uh, because we're gearing up, folks. We're, we're about to hit a 2020 election cycle in which we can either continue this charade of a political process, 
run and hijacked by the media, making dollars upon dollars upon dollars off of this nonsense. Or we can wake up and start demanding quality and respect for the principles that are laid in the Constitution, in the Declaration of Independence, and most importantly, in, lead, in, in liberty and freedom. So guys, that's going to do it for me for this week. Might have been a little bit more of a serious episode, but had to be done. Had to be done. Um, next week, I'm probably going to do a vlog, or a vlog, if you will. You know, I, I like, you know, vlog, but vlog, fine. Might be doing a vlog next week uh, to do a more condensed, like, focused 15-minute thing, maybe. Put it up on the YouTube page, so... You might have to keep your eyes peeled for that one uh, because next week I know Saturday is uh, my baby shower for my baby. So that's going to be a focal point of the weekend, you know, and I might be booked up for the rest of the week with work and other things. So uh, it really all depends, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what comes of it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I gave it out already, but I'll give it out again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS. Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast. And you can reach me at FritzcastPodcast at gmail.com. Guys, you have yourself a wonderful week. And do me a favor. Uh, if you like this, uh, subscribe to it. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, uh, a bunch of other podcasting platforms. It's, it's great. You can pick your pre- your preferred one and roll with it. Uh, you can, if you do like and subscribe as well, uh, share it. Share it on social media. Tag at FritzQS in it uh, for Twitter, the Facebook page, whatever you do. You, you tag tag me in it. Let me know. Uh, I'll give you a shout out uh, for sure. Just like I give my friends shout out all the time, like Sarcasm and Liberty. Sarcasm and Liberty has a great crew of people, an awesome crew of people, and put out great memes and other content, including live streams. Uh, on Google Hangouts. Uh, and then, like, my friends, the political otters, otters talking politics, love those guys. Love the Brian Nichols Liberty Show. You know, these these are these are guys that, I mean, we're not a network, but we're, we're, we're not a network. We're a family. You know what I mean? Check those people out, too. But if you subscribe to me, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, help grow the network, man. Help grow the family. Hope that wasn't too deep for people. All right. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week, either back here on the podcast or on the vlog.